tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches do whatever the fuck we want. I am Mark Malachi Gray. Uh, and I am Jesse Blount. And uh, yeah, today we're talking about Star Trek The Next Generation. And <laughs> <laughs> a true escape from reality in which we're just doing whatever we want for the time being. <laughs> yeah, so my dog Jezebel died like a two weeks ago as of you listening to this r.i.p a true queen the the queenest queen of all <laughs> honestly um in competition maybe only with uh your slytherin queen winning yep. for the the level of queendom anyway mm-hmm. um yeah so i'm sad and we're just talking about whatever novel thing I feel like I can get excited to talk about so that I can bring you all the the level of um, excitement, entertainment sure. that you come to expect from us. And Jesse is kind enough to be like, yeah, whatever, whatever, anything. So, <laughs> yeah, to that end, let's see several things. One, last week... And next week on the Gaily Prophet feed, we have episodes out about the show Wednesday uh, that you should totally listen to. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Wednesday seems very up the alley of people who like uh, the Simon Snow series. And especially I feel like when I was watching Wednesday, I was like, this really could be paving the way for a like Simon Snow like television series, which I would be 110 percent here for. Oh my gosh, 100%. That would be so good. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people have been like, oh, I better watch that so I can listen to you talk about it. I personally think it's fine to do it the other way around. I do it the other way around all the time with the media analysis podcasts I listen to. Like, I just want to hear them talk about the thing. And then if the thing sounds great, then I go consume the thing. Yeah, I I, tell, I totally understand. Like, I literally yesterday listened to a podcast for a show that, like, I was aware was out. And then I'm like, I listened to a podcast about it. I'm like, oh, maybe I should watch it. That sounds really cool. Um, and if you care about the twist of the mystery of Wednesday, maybe don't listen. <laughs> but it's literally eight episodes long. You could binge it in, like, two to four days, depending on how much time you put into watching a show. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, but if you don't care about spoilers, you could listen to our episode. Yeah. So you should check that out, and we'll probably be doing some other non-Harry Potter things in that feed, depending on, I don't know, how long it takes me to get back into a good headspace. Also, per Jezebel passing away, um, we're doing a fundraiser for Detroit Animal Care in her memory. Uh, that's where Jesse fosters cats through. Also, they like seem to like mostly adopt out pit bulls and like, do a lot of advocacy around pit bulls which is you know very near and dear to my heart so it seems like a good a good place for it to be like appropriate for for both of our 
care. Yeah, we were talking about fostering some cats again soon. So hopefully by the time this recording comes out, we will actually have some foster cats. So nice. I know. Um, yeah, so the fundraiser, I um, did a like Lisa Frank style drawing of a three headed dog where each of the heads of the dog is one of my three dogs. And it's really cute. And you can get it on a t-shirt. There's both adult and kid sizes. And also our February sticker club sticker is going to be that drawing. You know, if you've been like, oh, I want to join your sticker club, but you've been putting it off, this is the right time. But also you can totally join for the month of February and then unjoin and that's totally fine. You'll get a cute sticker and money will go to a good cause and then you aren't locked in or anything. It's month to month. You can cancel whenever. Yes. All right. One and a half more things. Jared C., who left us a very generous donation. Thank you so much. It's deeply appreciated. And... Also, thank you so much to all of our new patrons. You're all wonderful. And everyone who listened to our birthday episode and was inspired, moved to join us on Patreon and help, you know, make this project continue to exist because we literally are 100% listener funded and this literally is my only job. So everyone who who's joined recently, I just want to give a big thank you to. Thanks, everyone. And with that, so we're going to start by talking about our feelings about Star Trek generally. And then we're going to talk about a specific episode. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking for like five minutes, so you should definitely go now. Yeah, I, I will definitely start. Um, So I kind of grew up watching Star Trek. Like, so for folks that don't know, so there's an OG Star Trek in the 70s, Captain Kirk and all those other people. Next Generation is sort of the spiritual is like a is like a spiritual successor to the original star trek and came out in the early late 80s early 90s um because of that i think i have definitely watched every episode of this show like two to three times like before i was like nine years old (laughs) um next generation specifically next generation specifically yes okay thank you and like i watch it like with my siblings and like you know we just watched a lot of it so which is and i think and i haven't watched it i don't think since I was a kid until watching the episode we watched today. And I was like, oh, I really need to just rewatch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I've been like a casual on and off Star Trek fan. Um, a bun- I haven't watched a bunch of the new stuff, um, but like Next Generation and like Voyager, I've seen all, I've seen all of uh, a little bit of deep space nine um i even watched a little bit of enterprise which was the sort of i think critically panned star trek series in the early the late 90s um which like no one liked but anyway so i am like both a fan and very familiar with star trek and especially just like for me like as a kid it was always nice to, like, as a big sci-fi fan it was always really great because um, Star Trek has always had people of color <laughs> as main characters, which you, I mean, really only in the past eight years could say about any contemporary sci-fi media. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's always been, and I feel like it's always been sort of progressive as it could be in the time period that that it is in. But, I mean, I appreciate trying and like maybe not quite getting there more than I would be like, Oh, well, you know, it's whatever people's criticisms of Star Trek in general could be. So, and it's just fun. 
Star Trek is just so much fun. It's a fun, it's a fun sci-fi show. It's like none of this like grim dark bullshit that is very in vogue of like prestige television of the past decade, you know? Yeah, totally. So yeah, it's just like silly, fun sci-fi. And in the case of Voyager, sci-fi action adventure. <laughs> but yeah, but Next Generation, I feel like is just more, is just more just like vibes in general. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a lot of what appeals to me about it. Yeah. So I I hadn't watched any Star Trek up until like I guess probably probably 2020, I think, when I was like Evan was like we're not rewatching all of Doctor Who for a third time sequentially. Like please can we do something else? And I was like fine, let's watch Star Trek. Um but I think it's because like growing up my only association with Star Trek was with people like the trio on Buffy. Like my understanding of what Star Trek was, was rooted in like toxic fandom and like toxic fanboys specifically. And so I just like assumed that it was not necessarily like bad, but that it was like not somewhere that I was going to want to spend time. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of started getting like, eroded away when I started reading like the toast I think because Danny Lavery is like a huge Star Trek fan and so at that point I started being like wait maybe there's like more here than I've maybe assumed in the past and then that it just takes me for fucking ever to try new things so (laughs) it took took until there was a pandemic for me to be like okay fine I'm gonna try this and my biggest shock in watching it is that there is no room for toxic masculinity in Star Trek The Next Generation. Like, there's no room for it. And I don't understand where the fuck the fans get off creating a toxic environment around a show that is this, like, has such a soft relationship with masculinity as a whole. Like, it's so centered around male friendships and, like, caretaking and is absolutely the model of masculinity that I feel like we should be striving for as a society. Yeah, it is. I, yeah, it is really shocking because obviously I, I mean, like, I think there's so much awareness in the nineties about ridiculous, toxic fanboys, like, right. Like the trio and Buffy. I mean, there's like, you know, a comic book guy in The Simpsons. There's like, there's like these, these jokes about how intense and nitpicky and ridiculous male cishet Star Trek fans are. Yeah. Which is also truly wild because on the other hand, you have like Star Trek fans, like invented modern fandom and especially modern shipping fandom with like people writing fandom porn in the 70s in zines about like Kirk and Spock which is like sort of mm-hmm. like they are the ancestors of like modern fandom essentially mm-hmm. so it's just like it is I feel like I've never really investigated like why that is I mean obviously Star Trek has a lot of appeal because like it is like the character development is so strong they get really quality actors to do it and like even if some of the details of it are like silly and cheesy it's still just like you're still having a good time. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's actually, there's actually a documentary that came out in the nineties called Trekkers or Trekkies about like nineties Star Trek fandom, just because like there was always a Star Trek show on 
in the Mm -hmm. 90s you know yeah um anyway so i have no idea i have not really participated in star trek fandom partly and part of it is because since it's been around since the 70s it's sort of like there's like a depth and a breath there's like a depth to that kind of fandom that like you just don't get for something that was has been around for like four years you know mm-hmm. it's sort of like star wars fandom or even for my game of thrones fans people who are a, fr- a fans of a song and fire and ice which the first book came out in 89 so there are people who've been fans of this series almost as long as i have been alive <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah i don't I don't, I don't know why in particular there's this sort of idea like, like that toxic fandomness of it has trickled into like, like a pop cultural consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, I think as we've learned, people are not as empathetic as we assume that they would be, even if the media they could, they're consuming is like all about empathy and like mercy and like the f- feelings being like so important (laughs) yeah 100 percent. so yeah it's really baffling and i think that you and i had talked about this already so i after finishing next generation started deep space nine but like the main crossover person from tng to deep space nine is like the one toxic masculine character in all of tng i can't ever remember his name but the o'brien yes o'brien and like i really dislike him he's a character that i like constantly wanted to be written off the show and instead he kept getting more and more important and then like he's like the main dude that carries over into deep space nine you should try you could try you could try voyager which i that was the one that i remember coming on and like i watched that as it aired i think like halfway through voyager so that's the that's the show that i have like the clearest memories and like the biggest character feelings about (laughs) okay yeah, no, and I want to, and also I'm planning on watching the one that's coming out right now, Picard, but I think I'm probably going to start in the second season based on everything that I've read. Yeah, there's another series that I know has an older Seven of Nine who was from Voyager in it, and maybe she's in a queer relationship. I feel like the internet has given me very conflicting information about what's going on with that Star Trek show. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, because if there's one thing that is a little bit bewildering is the like... I mean, I guess it's 90s television, but it's not explicitly queer, but definitely implicitly queer slash queer coded. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that there's a couple like uh, explicitly queer folks on the the second season of Picard from what I was reading. And then also in the cartoon that's coming out right now that like Jamila Jamil is in. Oh, yeah. The lower decks. also very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to watch it. Yeah. I think the doctor character who's also played like, like by like a cat creature alien is maybe queer or one of the queer characters and i'm just nice <laughs> i'm like this Wait, is that sounds like a doctor who reference to it me. really truly does yes <laughs> <laughs> love it love the mixing of the worlds um yeah and you know speaking of which i also think that the character of q is a little bit like somehow inspired by doctor who in a lot of interesting say more um i think we can get into it once we talk about our episode that we are about to talk about which we hadn't actually stated and 
once again, because we do what we want, we are actually just picking an episode from season three of the, of I said Star Trek Enterprise, Jesus, <laughs> of the Next Generation, because Next Generation doesn't really have a plot as much as it's just like space UN peacekeepers going around having adventures. Mm-hmm. That is the entire thesis of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's, yeah, it's like, I think I said this on the um, our most recent episode of Chuck Tingle. Like, this is a show that I have now watched like twice in as many years because it's like almost zero stakes. Like, there, you, you're never worried about what's going to happen in an episode, uh, at least in like the first like five seasons of TNG. And... It's really, it's really just about relationships. It's not hardly even ever about like the a plot, you know. Yeah, so. which I think is maybe Gene Roddenberry is the creator of Star Trek. I feel like maybe that was a lot of his influence. I think mm-hmm. um, as just a really, I want to say just a really weird dude, uh, but kind of <laughs> like a weird good dude, you know. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, anyway, so today we are talking about, oh, I did not write down the name of this episode. Uh, Deja Q. Deja Q. Because <laughs> gay people love puns. Gay people do love puns. Yes. This is episode 13 of season three. Um, so we start off with the Enterprise and her Q and her crew. <clears throat> the Enterprise and, their, and her crew helping out a random planet that has some kind of rogue moon crashing into the planet when their very own trickster god entity slash eldritch horror, Q, arrives to flash everyone on deck his dick. Q theme! Um, So it turns (laughs) out Q, who is in fact the Star Trek trickster god, has done some really shitty behavior that has gotten him in trouble at work. And he's been uh, kicked out of Trickster Guard Incorporated to be a lowly mortal human. He got to choose the species to become mortal with, and he chose human after his crush, I mean, BFF, Jean-Luc Picard. So he's uh, just crashing up Picard's couch, aka his ship, but because literally everyone on this ship has been menaced by him before, everyone's like, fuck you, Q, you're going to the brig. Only the timing of this whole thing is pretty bad because I still got to deal with the A-plot of preventing this mood from crashing into this planet. But Q is like, Mitsu aside, I just happen to have all of this like deep space knowledge. So you should spring me from jail and I'll help you out. Uh, except that at the same time all this is happening, uh, Q is also being harassed by a giant space neuron species. Because it turns out he's pissed off a lot of aliens and he's in fact run to Picard because he knows that he'll get some protection. Which is true, even though Picard wants to just leave him at the next starport and have him be someone else's problem. But Data, of all people, has been won over by Q's plight of surprise humanity and thinks that he should stay on board. We've still not figured out how to get this, how to stop this moon from doing its thing, but they've got Q in engineering acting like the worst sullen Nepo intern ever. But <laughs> thankfully, Jordy is literally the fucking best and with a little bit of help from Q, has figured out how to pull the moon back. Only, whoops, they're still being attacked by the neuron alien thing. And it is fucking up the ship and trying to kill Q, which 
Dana tries to save Q and gets electrocuted for his troubles. So Q is feeling introspective about his near-death experience, and it turns out he does have some fucks to give. After telling Data that he's a better human than Q is, which, duh, Q steals the shuttle on a suicide mission so the neuron alien will stop attacking the Enterprise. But Picard just can't let Q die. But for whatever reason, all of the technology they try to use to save Q is failing for some reason. But it's just another Q. In fact, a frenemy of the Q that we know. And this Q tells OG Q that I think your crush is reciprocated, but whatever, you did like this selfless, this selfless act so you could be a Q again. So OG Q uses his newly restored powers to bring a full mariachi band to serenade his crush. Picard, still not amused. Q though, at least gives his buddy Data the gift of laughter and wraps up the A-pot by getting the moon back in, in, back in its order. Just for once, everyone lives. And we end the episode with another gay pun in which Q gives Picard a Cuban cigar. <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think another way to sum up this episode is... AU where Q becomes human and has to turn to Picard for protection M slash M Dom sub 10,000 words Uh, (laughs) uh, you know I'm going to look for that immediately after we record this episode oh my god because this is literally a fanfic plot it's like oh this god becomes human and has to be delivered to his crush for protection (laughs) this is a reason people love tropes because when it's done well you're just like yes i do in fact want to see this band also i want to see them bone (laughs) Uh, it's yeah so we're not doing um sections listeners because i finished taking my notes and texted jesse and was like my notes are entirely vibe based i have no idea how i would even go about putting them into segments so we're just we're just not (laughs) All right, well then, yeah, we should... Do you want to start on your first thing? And then... Literally three quarters of my notes are just lines, like sexually charged lines <laughs> that Q says to Picard. So yes. I think we should just like have a conversation and we can just like pick the things out of our notes that like apply to that moment in the conversation. But like, yeah, so this... The premise of this episode, I would argue that the A plot is Q becomes human and the B plot is like, oh, a moon is crashing into a planet. It really is. It truly is. Yeah, that's sort of like, oh yeah, we gotta fix this whole moon problem. But anyway, Q gets to go to the Enterprise Lounge. And yeah, then... he gets turned mortal and he's like, here's what I want you to do. Make me human. Deliver me naked to Picard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I also have to point out that this episode is also the originator of the Picard facepalm meme. Oh, really? Yep. It, it like, it's, it's like Amazing. a split second of either before the theme song or right after the theme song when he does it. And like, that's it. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> it's so incredible because like the first thing that happens once they get him dressed is he just starts bitching about 
the clothes that he's been given not being his colors. And you're just like, okay, be gayer. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, he's complaining about the colors and also about having to wear clothing. And I'm like... (laughs) All right, friend. (laughs) For real. I mean, for the record, they do find him the most drab looking like olive green and like brownish gray. That's true, which is, I'm sure, an intentional dig because they know how flamboyant Q prefers to be dressed. Yeah. After like Q has shown up and everyone's just like, what the fuck? We don't actually believe or trust you. I think that Worf should have really received a medal for not, in fact, snapping Q's spine immediately with like Mm. his just like ramble of like racist adjacent things that he is saying. Yeah. Just like give Worf a medal for not (laughs) just straight up murdering him in the first 10 minutes of this episode. Seriously. (sighs) Oh my god. I Worf the actor who plays Worf has like an incredibly attractive voice such a good voice and some like when Q is like what must I do to convince you people and Worf is just like die <laughs> I like oh my god I love it so much <laughs> just like this is great <laughs> Worf is Worf is in general an excellent character so I love him yeah it's 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 good that we see him in this episode just being like working so hard to like rein it in <laughs> Yeah, and getting getting the satisfaction of being like the part where he throws Q in the brig and then like turns the thing on and gets to watch Q just like walk into the wall of energy. I feel like must have been so gratifying mm-hmm. for Worf. Yeah, yeah. Um, a thing that I really love about Riker's character generally is that his like resting face. He has like resting like lustily intrigued face, and. That is on, like, 11 throughout this entire episode. Every time Picard is, like, making claims about how much he hates Q and wants him to go away. And, like, Q is flirting with him. And Riker's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so great. He knows exactly what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, he is. Because, like, and I feel like so much of this stuff is, like, filtered back when I was watching the episode. But I feel like Riker's whole vibe of being essentially always down to fuck is just... <laughs> Already excellent. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> and for him oh to just God. be like, uh-huh, all right, Picard, sure, you want to just get that space shuttle back. Whatever, bro. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember this episode, but... <laughs> There's this episode where Wesley has a crush on someone and is trying, like, is asking Riker to teach him how to flirt. So Riker and Guinan sit down together in 10 forward and, like, Riker starts just, like, pulling out the cheesiest fucking lines. But, like, he's hot and Guinan is hot. And so they're just, like, making eye contact and the lines are working. And Wesley just is getting, like, increasingly uncomfortable. <laughs> and is like, should I go? And Guinan's like, shut up, kid. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh my god, are you two gonna go fuck her now? I mean, oh, you were so saying excellent. that they maybe haven't already, which... That's true, that's true. I would believe. I mean, Guinan does whatever the fuck she wants, and I'm like, good, continue to do that. <laughs> yes, yes, it's really great. Highly recommend 
rewatching. I don't have any idea what episode it is, but I, that I, scene is beautiful. I, I, but I could look it up. Uh, as you can imagine, the uh, fandom wiki for Star Wars is Star Wars. Whoops. The fandom wiki for Star Trek is incredibly detailed. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so I, I can definitely find that episode. <laughs> um... Oh my god! I guess since we're just gonna jump around, we should talk about Guinan in this episode, played fanta- yes, fantastically by Whoopi Goldberg, who herself said that she was inspired by. Oh my god! What is her name? While well, I'm blanking out, the woman who played Ahura in the original series. Um, I was always glad to see Whoopi in any episode of Next Generation. She just looks fabulous, and she just doesn't take any shit. And the fact that she. <laughs> Is in this episode just claws out about how much she fucking hates Q <laughs> is every second of their interaction is a joy. <laughs> it is. It's so wonderful. Um, also, she stabs him with a fork <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to be like, oh, so you're human. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Mm. Um, I do feel like we have to note so that people don't feel like they need to email us that we are aware of Whoopi Goldberg's recent not not good behavior. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. She has done some questionable things over the years, for sure. Um, being on The View has not helped that. Yeah. She's been saying some like very anti-Semitic things lately. <sighs> it's not good. Um, but yeah, you don't need to tell us. We yes. can appreciate what she is bringing to this episode without like lauding her as an individual as if she has no flaws that's not those things aren't the same thing yeah we can applaud the costume designer for her character though because she is wearing a sparkly hat that's like teardrop shaped on top and this like beautiful drapey outfit that also has like some sparkle like sparkly horizontal lines on it Mm. one of my favorite things about this series as a whole is their absolute confidence that in the future everything will be so shiny and sparkly like every piece of material that like a bedspread or like a fancy dress or a tablecloth is made out of looks like the worst thing you could possibly touch with your hands (laughs) but it is all so sparkly and incredible and i'm just like i this is so gay. This show is so gay. Like, what? whoever went to, like, Joanne Fabric and was like, yeah, just load me up with every glittery fabric you have. I have a lot of, I have a lot of beds to, to make for this TV show. Like, okay, thank you. This is how we know that we're living in the worst timeline, is that, you know, less sparkly outfits, more fascism. Mm, yeah but since we brought up fabrics we could talk about about some aesthetic stuff yes uh so the brick looks like a cross between ikea furniture and like a modern art piece and i'm like i'm actually really digging this vibe (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah you're not wrong like it's very small but i'm like my dude a place like that in Brooklyn is like $5,000 a month. <laughs> yeah. 
And also just like the soft pastels of the ship walls, like when they're walking through the corridors and like all the doors are like a very soft salmon. And I'm like, <gasps> I love the just like the 80s aesthetic of the inside <laughs> of the Enterprise. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is lovely. There, It's so, oh my God. There every once in a while, you just get like hit full on in the face with like the 80s, early 90s-ness of this show. Like there's an episode where for absolutely no reason crusher and troy are like doing like weird gymnastics-y yoga-y something or other together in the morning and they're both wearing like iridescent leggings and like leotards and you're like yeah this is what people wore in like workout vhs tapes in 1992 you know and they were just like, no, this is exactly what we'll still be dressing like to do workouts in the 400 years from now because it's perfect. And you're like, you know what? It is perfect. So it honestly attracts, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, everything old is just new again. So, of course, they're just wearing 80s workout clothing. Um, I'm also surprised because I feel like I kind of forgot what a babe Beverly Crusher is. Hmm. <laughs> like she's strong take one episode you're right uh i've always been partial for a redhead and i'm just like she just comes in also to just be the most smart ass to cue this episode that's very true she is fun in this episode she is like if you do the like every friend group has one sort of breakdown i feel like crusher is the token straight who's on thin ice (laughs) so that's sort of generally my feeling about her oh my god wait we should definitely do one of those for the for this for this episode though and every friend needs breakdown we should do one for this episode maybe to involve q for this episode specifically yeah because we have to bring q in as ends that every friend group needs okay literally i'm like looking at my notes literally it is like mostly just lines like Hugh says he's such a he's such a bratty bottom <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i call him a dirtbag in my notes especially in the part where he's in the elevator and he's like oh i have to like shower and like wear clothes and like breathe <laughs> and like deal with my skin and i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> so hard for him. and i'm also God, like that would be so terrible though if you turned from like an entity that like didn't actually always have physical form and so never had to worry about that to suddenly being in a like horrible human suit yeah i don't know yeah i know and no one even explained to him about like after you eat you have to go to the bathroom which i'm sure would have been <laughs> that's true Especially if you eat 10 chocolate sundaes. (laughs) Yeah, especially, I mean, considering like a third of swear words are about shitting and pissing is sort of like, you know, it's a a gross human thing. And I feel like would probably be very startling if you were not ever having to do that. True. I love the line when Picard comes to him and when he's in the brig and is like, you know about this, like accusing him basically of like having caused whatever the, the problem is. And Q is like, how could I know what's going on? I've been alone, bored, helpless. <laughs> You're just like, oh my God. And then literally is like, I need guidance. <laughs> like, 
Oh my God, tone it down. And then you're like, oh, is that what they're calling it these days is guidance? Yeah, it just literally reminded me of that episode of Buffy where Harmony is like, I'm simply covered in these blue veins. <laughs> <You're just> like... <laughs> I mean, that is, that is essentially what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> He's so horny. I fucking love it. Yeah. And Picard did not hit the bait because he was just 110% done with everything about Ugh. killing. So he says, I'm team Riker in this, where it's like, okay, Picard, mm. because literally the second Q might actually die, he's like, bring him back. Actually, yeah. I don't think I'm going to let that happen. Yeah. 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 It takes him, yeah, like not even a second to be like, oh, wait, we can't just let him go die by this alien thing. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I didn't even top him yet. We have to, we have to wait. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, for the record, I feel like there is a lot of characters in this show that also want, also would like Picard to top them. So I feel that's sort of like the undercurrent of a lot of his. That's <laughs> true. Which is great because, like, it's weird. I'm so used to seeing Patrick Stewart now that, like, seeing him, like, from, like, essentially 30 years ago, I'm like, oh, wow, you look so young, my dude. I mean, yeah. he looks a lot of ways the same. <laughs> that, yeah. But I, um, I don't know. sorry, I was doing math. I wasn't questioning your statement. I was like, was that 30? Yes, that was 30 years ago. Yeah, no, he's he's really hot. He's, he's honestly, every time I think about like when this, you know, semi-recent thing on the internet of being like, oh, the one like body shaming thing that we can do that's like totally fine is making fun of men for being bald. And every time I see someone doing that, I'm like, how would you feel? If Patrick Stewart was looking at you right now, because I think you would feel embarrassed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he's been like, I feel like spent almost his entire career being bald, but like, yeah, he's a total smoke show. <laughs> like, He's so hot. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I think he went bald when he was like in his late 20s. Um, yeah, another I don't remember who I think Q says this to Data. That his goal is to prove to Picard that he's indispensable. <laughs> oh my god. He's just like, I'm... I just need my crush to be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, I, I just really need him to acknowledge me, please. <laughs> I can die after that, but like, not, not until he recognizes it. I know. I love when he like goes to Picard's room and is just like, this brush with death is really just making me have all of these feelings. And Picard is like, I'm just going to literally sip my tea and not give a fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just like, it's, he just does, he's just like, I am just going to put on this facade that I am completely unaffected because, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't happen. I don't, I don't think it happens in this episode, but a thing that, usually happens in episodes that Q is in is that he calls Picard Mon Capitan. That's like his special nickname for him. And I've been trying really hard to work that into the rotation of like pet names that I use forever. <laughs> it just makes me laugh so much. It is... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, doesn't he say that when he comes back and he has the mariachi band? Oh, he might. Yep, he does. 
But that's only one. But like he's also like scream singing it <laughs> with a yeah. mariachi band. It's so fucking good. Yeah, and the fact that like the first thing that he does when he gets his powers back, like before he even goes back to the Enterprise, is put on a Starfleet uniform. He's like, we have to match. <laughs> yeah, I want him to respect me. <laughs> is really funny um i really want to talk about q and data yes me too it's like one of my favorite things about this episode uh is just data sort of like almost like instant affection for q and his like plight about like all of a sudden being a person and being like oh i can help you with the human thing and i'm like that's so cute it is so cute uh, and it's just like really endearing. And then he and then Data immediately cuts it off, and it's like, how dare you undermine my bestie Jordy in engineering? It's, I think you mean boyfriend. How dare you undermine my bestie <laughs> slash boyfriend Jordy in engineering? This is his realm. Uh, uh-uh, no, none of that. Yeah, and then it, it like the basically exact same thing happens with between Jordy and Picard regarding Q, like slightly later where Jordy's just fucking had it and he's like he's not worth it captain because like he tried to kill my boyfriend <laughs> like I have no more room for this man look data might die yeah um, yeah who knows what being electrocuted is gonna do to someone who's an android like yeah the love between Jordy and data is like one of my favorite things about this series overall and like in my mind Riker is their like occasional third that would make sense to me. Right? But like, oh my god, they just like, they just love each other so much. It makes me so happy. <laughs> it is really good. Um, Sorry, I took us away from the, the data cue. No, that was, that, was an, that was an important segue, which is the internal love between Jordy and Data. And yeah, and just sort of like Q end up sort of begrudgingly realizing he has affection for Data also at the end of this episode. Because mm-hmm. it's like, literally who... Everyone else would have been like, whoops, I guess Q died. Whatever, you know? Yeah. But like, except for Data, who was like, no, this is the correct thing to do. <laughs> yep. So, I don't know. It's just, it's so nice. It's really, the way that I watch this show is that every time Data mentions something that is like very obviously a feeling, I just shout, sounds like a feeling. <laughs> Because there's, like, this insistence that he doesn't have emotions. But he has so many feelings in this episode. So many feelings. <laughs> and, like, what is... Hang on. He says, like, you have accomplished in in outcastness what I have always yearned to achieve, like, humanity, right? And I'm just, like, yearning is an emotion. Like... So, so many things that Data's like, no, I can't feel. I just, like, am curious about. I just want. And you're like, what do you think drives those things? Fucking feelings. And, like, his compassion for Q comes from empathy. Like, there's nothing else that it could come from. And I think the, like, very obvious, like, autistic read of Data makes it make a lot of sense because, like, empathy 
shouldn't necessarily be like context specific based on like how much you like a person as an individual it's like is he suffering or is he not suffering and that's what should be taken into account and so data's just like this situation sounds objectively very hard therefore q is in need of empathy he doesn't necessarily need to be here or like endangering my friends and family but like yeah I do think it's worth, like, caring a little bit that he's struggling right now because he's a human in pain. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also just sort of the, that feeling of, oh, hell no, you did not just try to undermine my fucking boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that was, that is a, like, I mean, I mean, it's data. So, like, his, like, tone doesn't change and like the words he are, is using don't like change but i'm like he got real unfriendly real quick about that <laughs> it was so catty it's so good because Q's like who does he think he is to talk to me like that and data says jordy thinks he is in charge here and he is correct and then just walks away and it's like yeah such a good truly <laughs> so <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is like this is also a very uh, just excellent uh, data episode. Even if he does get zapped pretty hard by, sorry, I keep calling these alien space neurons because they literally look like the diagrams of when you're like, this is like the neurons in your brain. It's like a little, it has like a nuclei and then like a weird cloud around it. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is just. I didn't write down what they're called. It starts with a C, I think. I don't remember. Yeah. It's fine. The neurons is a fine thing to call them. Yeah. That's just what they look like to me. So I'm like, space neurons. Got it. Mm -hmm. Does nothing else matters about them. (laughs) Um, Besides that they feel pain and Q apparently figured that out, which is like, how do you, how do you piss off space neurons? (laughs) Like, why? (laughs) Cause he's just like a general antagonist, which is a weird job to have i don't know i love how even they're even into the other cues are like okay slow your roll (laughs) (laughs) i guess there's always just the one person at your job that's just like wow what what are you doing (laughs) can you not right and i don't know if it's like yeah it's like his job slash also just like his species i don't know i mean he i guess he does actually kind of have a very like ancient god kind of vibe like i don't know loki or i'm sure there's a trickstery or greek god that i can think of but they all are kind of trickstery so yeah 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 i mean they're definitely pulling from like trickster god very directly but i don't know i feel like the whole like q compendium continuum continue the q continuum and like the sort of Star Trek's cue being kind of like, I do what I want. And mostly what I want is to hang out with humans and like fuck with them. It, it feels a little bit sort of like the relationship the doctor has with the Gallifreyan hierarchy and just sort of him just being oh. like, I do what I want. And like part of it is that the doctor's like the last of his species. So that's a much different thing than like what's going on with Q. But just sort mm-hmm. of being a like, you know, and obviously the doctor is a little bit more fun and empathetic than Q normally is as a character. But yeah, (laughs) I almost put in my notes, just like Star Trek Doctor (laughs) description. Cause he just like, he just pops in and out and does what he wants. And the humans are just like, what is happening? 
Well, we're very off topic. Anyway, yeah. There's just... no such thing as off topic. <laughs> Who doesn't love trickster alien uh, as uh, as a trope? It's great. It is great. <laughs> and yeah, Q's definitely on the kind of morally ambiguous slash kind of evil end of that. <laughs> or like waivers, I guess, between those. Yeah. I do want to say that in reading about it, uh, much like Eliza Dushku intentionally playing Faith being in love with Buffy, the actor who plays Q has always been intentionally playing him as in love with Picard. Which is very... (laughs) It's so good. Um, And also, apparently, the second season of Star Trek Picard is very heavily focused on their relationship, but not in as gay a way as I think I want which is very unfortunate it's like it's 2023 they could be gay now <laughs> yeah <laughs> and queer. i think that, that actor also wants wants it to be like more explicitly about that but mm-hmm. um it's not that's okay i mean i don't know if it's okay or not i'll watch it and get back to you about if i think it's okay <laughs> yeah what else I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I think if in my ideal version of the next generation, you wouldn't have both cues being just like white dudes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It also seems weird for a Q to like, I mean, I guess you could if you're an omnipotent trickster god, you can give yourself however, whatever kind of pronouns. But I feel like at that, there's so much you could be doing with that character <laughs> that mm. I feel like if you were doing this contemporarily, maybe you could actually have the space to sort of explore. Like, it'd be cool if, like, Q just showed up as, like, in different human suits every time, you know? Like, and I mean, I guess I, under- I understand maybe why you wouldn't do that. And obviously the guy who plays Q is very good at what he does, you know, and has been doing it for, yeah, like 30 years. Yeah. But... That could have been fun, I guess, in a in a different kind of world. <laughs> yeah, agreed. But I don't want to end on a downer note. So I do want to talk about <laughs> Q handing out gifts at the end of this episode. <laughs> 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 and I just love Riker's unspoken, like, I don't need your fantasy women because I can get my own women. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really good. It also just made me think of that part in the You've Never Had a Friend Like Me song in Aladdin, where Jeannie makes some very similar, like, the whole setup of the, like, shot is very similar. He makes two, like, sexy ladies appear on either side of Aladdin and then disappears them. Um, I don't know which came first. Uh, Actually, I think I think this did. This episode came I out in... So 1990 and aladdin is 93 okay 92 93 yeah i wonder if it was a if it was an intentional reference considering the amount of adult pop culture references in aladdin that would not surprise me (laughs) yeah yeah and like who becomes like disney animators you know fucking nerds so yeah it's like yeah it's like yeah so many nerds are disney animators. although i think it's really funny because like we think of Star Trek being like a nerdy thing to be into. And I think that by the time we were growing up, it 
had become a nerdy thing to be into. But this show had like one of the highest budgets of TV shows when it was coming out. Mm -hmm. Like the special effects are so good because they had so much money for practical effects. And like, you know, there weren't very many TV shows on in the late 80s. So like, no. It can't have been that nerdy. Like, this was not a niche program. So much, a large percentage of the population was tuning in to watch this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess I would assume it must be the thing where it's like, a lot A lot of people have watched, like, say, The Next Generation, like, casually, but, like, probably less people have, like, gone to a convention or, like, made a fanzine and, like, that sort of level or, like gone on sort of the whatever early internet websites you could be making to like talk about star trek and i guess mm-hmm. i'm assuming that that is sort of the demarcation line where it's like you know before smartphones you'd have to like go physically be with people <laughs> who are also like star trek who were like seriously into star trek yeah yeah is there anything else you want to talk about no I think we covered everything that I have cool. written down. I don't know. I know you had a bunch of lines if you wanted to continue to talk about those. No, that's okay. Um, I love that we end this episode just on Data just cracking up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's so beautiful. It's like, what a, what an excellent <laughs> gift. Like, he's like, all the gifts I've given to the crew, everyone's like, eh. And then he, of course, puts the moon that's about to crash into this planet back where it's supposed to be changes the gravitational constant of the universe easy peasy just like you know just like you do but yeah giving <laughs> giving data like just the joy of laughter for like yeah like let it know five seconds is just it was just so great yeah and that actor the actor who plays data i love that the show is is so aware of like what a treasure they have in him and like the just range of things that he's able to deliver. And then, you know, they don't always use it because it would get kind of tiresome if they were like, Data was always doing something weird. But like, when they do, you're like, oh my God, this is such a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. That laughter scene. The funny thing is, I think the only other thing. So, okay. So the only other thing that I have seen him in is Independence Day, where he's playing those sort of like wacky area 51 scientist where he has like this like long mm-hmm. hippie hair and he's just like do you want to see some aliens and it's just <laughs> the complete opposite <laughs> of data uh-huh. and it's just like oh you really do have this like great comedic range that i wish you were in more stuff to show on yeah i might put a clip of of that of him laughing. laughing and at the end of this just so that everyone can have a have a laugh as our outro it is it is really good and i like how everyone and everyone on deck is like what is happening <laughs> but everyone's like but it's also kind of like what is so funny tell us and it's like i don't know yeah yeah oh like i don't think there's a literal twinkle but it's like a heavily implied twinkle when he's like it was a wonderful feeling and like you just sort of like hear glitter sounds, you know, in your soul. Mm-hmm. You hear them in your soul. <laughs> yeah, like if this is a comic book, all of the circles in that would have been like hearts in the font. <laughs> or yeah, something. 
Yeah. So. Oh, I love it. I know. I love Data so much. I do say though, I was because I didn't remember. The, I didn't remember this episode, and I'm glad that it was laughter. But I'm like, you're this omnipotent god, essentially. You should have given Data the ability to taste fucking ice cream. Like I don't know. Like give him some, <laughs> give him some like functioning taste buds. Like that would be cool. To give him the knowledge that he is in fact experiencing feelings. Something. Though. I mean, the laughter is the laughter is good. He's trying. Yeah, it is. No, I think it's lovely. Oh my god. <laughs> I I hope that you just like rewatch this so that you can tell me about the ones that you're watching and I can like geek out with you about it. There's one where Data is like trying to learn how to sneeze. <laughs> it's like so good. Shorty's <laughs> just like, Data, what are you doing? It's really cute. Oh my god, I definitely have to watch that. I also loved every episode uh, as a child, of course. Loved every episode where Spot the Cat showed up. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, which, what a good name for a ginger cat, I swear. Anyway. It's so funny. I fucking love it. Yes. <laughs> like, love the idea of giving animals like really stereotypical animal names that actually don't correlate to why people give animals those names yeah it's great it's really good yeah it's like naming an like all black cat socks and you're like wait but it doesn't have the the wait why yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and then you can be like well this wearing black socks obviously (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh now i gotta get a cat hmm I'll get a cat for you. It's fine. Actually, okay, get, give Data like three more cats. It's fine. <laughs> Truly. Um, this was lovely. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, um, you know, we'll be back in two weeks with something. <laughs> might, be, might be Wayward Son. Might not. Who knows? And until next time. Scott-a-moosh.